Turning your Bibles to Matthew chapter 16. I think we're going to learn something about our Lord today. Matthew chapter 16. And you might want to be ready in those other places as well. I have some readings from there. But in Matthew chapter 16, we follow Jesus' life and we see an outstanding lesson for us uh, from Matthew 16. If you're with me in verse 13, when Jesus came into the coast, that means the regions of Caesarea Philippi, that's next to uh, the Mediterranean Sea. He asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say? that I, the Son of Man, am? And basically, the most important question to answer in our life, and we don't answer it with words. We answer it with our actions. But the most important question is, most important question is, who is Jesus to you? Now listen, I'm going to be saying this probably often. Who Jesus is, is everything. You see, if Jesus is Lord and God, it, it requires some action from us. It requires us to, to admit that he is all-powerful and, listen, has the right to say no to us, to say yes to us. If he's God, the all-powerful God, if he's the highest power in our life, then he has the right to say no to us. Who is Jesus to you? And they said, verse 14, some say that you are John the Baptist. Jesus hasn't erected hasn't resurrected yet, but these people they're calling out who he is would have had to have been resurrected for Jesus to be these. Some say Elijah, others Jeremiah, all three are, are dead by now, or any one of the prophets. Even in the Muslim religion, it lists Jesus as a prophet or a great teacher. He said, who do you say that I am? That's what everybody else says. But who do you say that I am? Verse 15. And Simon Peter quickly answers and says, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, in the post-resurrection appearance, Jesus has died. He has he has resurrected, and he came to visit all the apostles. We'll probably see this in a couple of weeks in an Easter message. But he came to the apostles in a closed-in room. He just vaporized right in front of them, and there he is, and they all worship and praise him, and he gives them a, a word of love and encouragement. But who wasn't there? 
Who wasn't there that day? Who was the one that didn't show up? Who wasn't the one that wasn't with the body of Christ at that point? Doubting? Doubting Thomas. He wasn't there. He had something more important to do than to be with all, all the disciples. And years ago, I brought this message saying how important it is for us to always be together as much as is possible to always be together. So, John 20, 21. Then said Jesus to them that he's already resurrected. Peace be unto you. As my Father sent me, even so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins you remit, they are remitted unto them. Whosoever sins you retain, they are retained. But Thomas, one of the twelve, was not with them. The other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Thomas said unto them, Except I see his hands, the print of the nails, and put my finger in the, uh, the, the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days, again, the disciples were within, and Thomas was with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and said in the midst, Peace be unto you. Then said he to Thomas, Reach here thy finger. Jesus is always watching. When they spoke to Thomas, the disciples Jesus wasn't there visibly, but he heard Thomas say, I will stick my finger in his, in his wounds. So once he said to Thomas, reach here thy finger. Behold my hands, reach here thy hand, thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Thomas had had been with him all those years. But what was his perception of who Jesus was? Now, at this moment, in one of the highest acclamations possible, Thomas calls him, my Lord and my God. Lord Jesus, please let me say this right. Please let me say things that Lord would... Help these people to understand that you're more than just a God figure. You are God, the Almighty One, that hears and sees and knows everything, has a plan for our life. Lord, help us to see that. Help me to paint this picture for, for us, Lord, because you are with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thomas said, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you've seen me, you have believed. And this is what he says to us. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. Thomas, my Lord and my God. Now, in verse 15 of our original text, Matthew 16, 15, who do you Say that I am. Simon Peter says, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. 
And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, who is Peter. Blessed are you, Simon Peter, for flesh and blood has not revealed it to you, but my Father, which is in heaven. And verse 18 on the screen up here. And I say to thee that you are Peter. The word Peter is Petros, and it means little, little rock, tiny rock. And upon this rock, and the, the, that word is Petra, big rock. Upon this big rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not win. Hell does not win, even up to the very last moment. Hell doesn't win. Hell's going to lose. Satan's going to lose. Rejoice in that. This very week, we've been having almost a death watch for Ann Holsinger. And in front of her family, I rejoice with her that when this is all through, this adventure, she's going to see Jesus, Lord willing, before me. And I'm jealous. Ann is now in Morrison's Cove home. And uh, they've sent her back there. Uh, she, is, uh, she is on watch care, what? hospice. Her kidneys are not working, but you know that she's ready. Such a faithful, faithful saint, a pillar in our church. And... Uh, Gates of hell. Well, hell, hell lost her. She loves Jesus Christ. They tell me that in her, her normal, healthy life, she used to go to all the gospel sings and, and uh, loved, loved WJSM, the gospel music station. The gates of hell shall not prevail against... Now, they're going to fight. They're going to roar. But the gates of hell... Will not the powers of hell will not prevail against the big rock, not little rock. Now, the damage from the misinterpretation of this verse, you can't even estimate. A whole religion has been built up around it, saying that Peter is the rock and that uh, Peter is supreme to all other human beings. Peter was infallible, and he, uh, he was the first pope. So when they say that, it's not what Jesus said. If we read the original language, and they do too, the religions that believe that Peter was the first pope, and after that, all of them took on his responsibilities. Uh, wow. Can't even estimate the damage done. And I say to you, verse 18, that you are Peter, that you are the little rock. And upon this rock, the big rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Years later, years later, the, uh, the apostle Paul came back to Jerusalem. Years later, Peter came back uh, from the, when 
the centurion got saved. A non-Jewish person got saved because of Peter. And they had these, something like that causes everybody to want to have a say. So they, they held these big assemblies. And these men were being, were being these Peter, for instance. Peter and Paul, for instance. The rest of the disciples were against them for, doing, for, for going outside the faith and leading people to Christ. And then James was the boss, not Peter. First century, the pastor to all the apostles, James, the half-brother of Jesus, got saved in a personal one-on-one -on -one resurrection. He ended up leading the first church in Jerusalem, and he was the highest authority. And there are other estimations, too, where at this point here, Peter hadn't done his, his famous, I don't know the man, when he was accosted by non-believers saying he was one of Jesus' people. That verse 18 again, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The seat of power, the seat of power, watch this. The seat of power is in here. Every, every true Christian has the Holy Spirit sitting on a throne in their heart. But the gates of hell cannot overcome that. There is nothing they can do to make you sin. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, says this. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the wiles, the plans of the devil. We talked about this last week even, that the devil knows you. He knows who you are. He knows your weaknesses. He knows what buttons to push that would cause you to be drawn into 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 him, into sin, and away from Christ. He knows what your secret needs are that maybe are going, are going unmet. <clears throat> Satan is very powerful, but he cannot prevail against Christ. Watch this. Verse 12 there. For we wrestle not against the flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye might be able to stand against, against him and to do all that you can to stand. So important. You can be going down this path, doing the right thing, Always, always, always eyes on, but then have your particular weakness waved in your face, the button pushed, and if you aren't settled and have on the armor of God, you can be led astray down the wrong path. Now wait, that happens to all of us, even in our thoughts, words, and deeds. That happens to all of us. So when it happens... 
and you fall for it, confess your sin and go back and repent. Confess and repent. Change it and go back and try to get stronger for the next time. Matthew 16, 18. You are Petros, the little rock. But upon this rock, I happen to think Jesus was saying, this rock. He's the big rock. He is Petra. I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And it goes on. And I will give to thee the keys of the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. That's what we have. We have the keys to the kingdom of heaven. We can. We, we can unlock heaven for our loved ones and friends and family who we, we lead to Christ. We talk to people about Christ. We have the keys. And I know in my life, in my life, in 1975, my spiritual birth is coming up next week. March 8th, I accepted Christ. But I had fought off the Christians at every turn trying to win me to Christ. And then one of them came with a key from my past and said just the perfect thing which broke me. You and I have the same potential. We know the people. We know what they need sometimes. And they need Christ. And whatever thou shalt bind on earth, thou wilt be bound in heaven. And whatever thou shalt loose on earth, thou shalt be loosed in heaven. In the dark ages, in the dark ages, the Catholic Church Use this scripture to control kings, to control countries and armies. You don't do this, I'm going to curse you and you and your family can't go to heaven. You do this and I'll pray for you and you will be able to go to heaven. This very verse has done so much damage to Christianity through the years. Verse 20, then he charged his disciples that they should not tell any man who he was, that he was the Christ, the Son of God. In Matthew 16, 13, if you're still with me, when, when Jesus came to the coast, he said, Who do men say you are? Say I am. And they said, Some say, and they listed these three or four people that were already dead. And Jesus turned to them and said, but who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Now listen, you don't get to heaven with a false belief in Christ. There's a lot of people that say they're Christians. But their actions show that they don't have a higher power. That they are their authority that they only obey their own voice. When it's convenient, they'll obey, they'll obey Christ. But when it's inconvenient and they lose things, joys and pleasures and things, they don't have the right belief that Jesus is God. What did, what did Downing Thomas say? My Lord and my God. These words, these descriptions are of ultimate power, that Christ has the ultimate power 
in our lives to say no to us. Even when it looks like, how can you say no? It's not going to hurt me. I understand, you know, it's okay. Jesus knows what's going to hurt you, who's going to hurt you next day, next week, next month, next year. If Jesus is your God, he has the right, I started to say privilege, it's more than that. He has the right to rule us, to be our Lord. He has earned the right to be our Lord. Who, does, who do you say Jesus is? Look at your lives. Do you obey even when it's inconvenient? Who do you say that I am? If you don't get that right, if you don't get that answer right, you can be led so astray into huge, into huge sin. Genesis chapter 3, if you'll turn there, please. Genesis chapter 3. Adam and Eve. What Adam and Eve did with Satan. Satan can wear you down, convince you, challenge. He'll challenge God's authority in your life. Yea, did God really say that? Did he really? Oh, and here's the one for today. Is it for today? The world has changed. Our enemy hasn't. He's changed his tactics, but our enemy hasn't changed. I'm in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field. That means it was smart, it was wise which the Lord God had made. Verse 1, And he said unto the woman, Yea, has God said, You shall not eat of the tree? Questioning God's authority. That's Satan's number one. His number one argument to us. Why? Because we're human beings. We don't like to be told what to do. Well, we don't mind sometimes when actually we prosper, but we don't like to be told on the moral issues. We want to make up our own mind of what we're going to do morally. Verse 2, And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat thereof, your eyes will be opened, and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and it was a tree to de be desired to make one wise. She took of the fruit thereof and did eat. <coughs> and gave also to her husband with her, and he did eat. Here's the question. you can't question his authority his lordship and his word 
If Jesus is your Lord, truly, not just in what you say, but indeed in the things we do, you cannot, you're not allowed to question his authority. You obey no matter what. Even when you lose, you gain by obeying the Lord Jesus Christ, making him your highest authority, making him your Lord of your life, making the word of God, allowing the word of God to be your guide through life. If God is Lord, then we don't question his authority. In all things, please understand how important this is. The disciples had been around Jesus all those years, almost three years. And they still didn't quite understand who he was. He is God. And if he's God of your life, you would obey. You'll, you'll obey his word. You'll obey what he says is right, what he says is wrong. Not what society says. Not what Hollywood or athletes say. God is a million times better than that. That, that, that number is not right. Better to believe than any heroes you might have who are saying otherwise. In Matthew seven twenty four, Therefore, whosoever hears these sayings of mine and does them... I will liken him to a wise man which built his house upon a rock. There's that word rock. And the rains descended and the floods come and the winds blew and beat upon that house. And the word house here means our families. Beats on our families and it doesn't fall for it's founded upon the rock. Verse 26 and everyone that hears these sayings of mine and does them not shall be compared to a foolish man which builds his house upon the sand. And when the, and the rains descended, the rains of life, the floods come of life and the winds blow. Anybody here had a perfect life so far? Life is ups and downs. Life is, life is uh, diseases, coronaviruses, whatever your coronavirus might be. Life, life has disappointments in it. The disciples were beat, Thomas, later in life. Thomas ended up being tortured and would not forsake the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, when the rains come and the floods come and the winds blow and beat upon that house, but because it's not found on the rock, it will fall. And great will be the fall of it. Thomas said, My Lord, my God, fell on his knees. That's where we ought to be. We ought to at least be on the knees of our heart every day. And I, we all know this expression. Some of you might have it on your refrigerator magnet, but 
If Jesus is not Lord of all, then he's not Lord at all. If there's some area of your life that you have held in, some little closet that you go to sometimes, that you know he doesn't approve, that God doesn't approve, he's not Lord at all. You've still received, you still have reserved a part of the pie of your life for yourself. Please recognize this morning who Jesus is, what he's done and will do. And what we get or don't get on this earth has nothing to do with any of that. He died on the cross for our sins and will take us to heaven with him when we die. And he loves us, he cares for us, and he wants us in heaven. And he will care for his sheep as a shepherd does for his sheep. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? The one expression with your heads bowed, eyes closed, if God is Lord, then we don't question his authority. If he's Lord and God, he has earned the right as creator and savior to demand our obedience. Lord Jesus Christ, I pray, dear Lord, that right now every one of us would look at our life, big picture, and are there areas of our life that we have held back for us and let us this very day Lord give them back to you Lord it might be bitterness and unforgiveness Lord it might be judgment judgmental might be hatred for others oh God forgive us Forgive us, Lord, and be our Lord and Savior. Help us, Lord, to see you in the right eye of my Lord and my God. Help us, Lord, to see you as our ultimate authority, no matter what others say, our ultimate authority. Lord, if there's someone here that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, let today be the day they once and for all, they give it all to you. And they ask you into all of their heart, every, every area of their life, every closet in their life. Asking you, dear Lord, to right now hear our prayers of confession. I'm so sorry, Lord for holding back things in my life from you. Lord Jesus, forgive me. Lord, wash my heart out, white as snow, and come into my heart, Lord Jesus. I give it all to you. With your heads bowed and eyes closed, if you did pray that prayer and you meant it, 
Would you raise your hand that I might see who you are? Did anybody pray that? Lord Jesus, I hope that means every one of us belong to you. I hope, Lord, that means that every one of us have given it all to you. Help us to be a better, a better people, a more loving people, a more giving people. Thank you, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.